Hello and welcome to episode 66 of the BM Cast. Not a podcast that calls women females, but the show about playing Magic the Gathering on a budget. I am Scott and I am joined by the spell queller herself, Emma. How are you doing today? Yeah, not bad. I've had a busy week with work and being really social, so I just haven't had a lot of time to like play magic, look at magic, you know, think magic exists. Yeah. Um, but my order of cards for Modern Eggs that I talked about last week did arrive, so hopefully Ooh. this week I can assemble that and confuse people at FNM by going back in time by about six years. So that'll be fun. That's um, cracking. It is, yeah, I'm really excited. It is cracking because <laughs> that's what eggs do. Haha, <laughs> see what you did there. Um, yeah, otherwise, I've just been, you know, when I haven't been busy, I've just been chilling out and playing my Switch. I'm back on the retro still. So I'm still playing G Darius and I also picked up Mega Man X as well because that's one of my favourite Mega Man games. So I've been playing that and it's a lot of fun and it's a lot harder than I remember. So that's also <laughs> fun. Um, how about you? It's a short one for me this week. Yeah, just on, on the old games, like, I remember that a lot of them were hard on purpose because like and that was a feature of them because it was like you get more time playing it. It's not a bug, it's a feature. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like games were specifically harder so that like you would get more gameplay out of it. Like you'd be playing Mm. it for like forty hours because you're attempting the same thing four times instead of clearing it in ten. (laughs) Like you get it with the arcade games. Like arcade games were really mm. difficult as well because you throw more money into them because that's the point. If you did it first time, then you're not yeah. going to make any money. Um, like, don't get me wrong. I love the challenge. I like difficult games. It's mm. just I've just forgotten how difficult they are. And I'm just like, have I just got old? Am I just like rusty <laughs> with games? Or is it just, you know, just harder than I remember? But no, they're really, really good fun. Mega Man yeah. is particularly hard as well. Yeah, I think it's a combination of like, we might have gotten rusty and also the kids these days don't know how easy they have it like well i play i'm like you i play like dark souls and bloodborne and stuff and they like notoriously difficult that's the whole charm of it right and i'm just like "Mm, i just think my dexterity is just not as good as it used to be and i don't like it because it means i'm getting old yeah Mm. maybe it's the expectation that like when you sit down to like these sort of like more cutesy looking like cartoony looking platformers and stuff you're like how hard can it be and then you just get wrecked play hollow knight oh what a game <laughs> I love that game that game's great on a side note uh, Metroid Dread just came out which I also want to pick oh, yeah. up because it's Super Metroid and that's great mm. that game's great anyway how are you before we transgress into a yeah. video game podcast yeah <laughs> yeah I'm good I'm good uh, I actually today is Sunday yesterday was Saturday obviously that's how the calendar works uh, no I way. got to play some in- I got to play some in paper commander today, uh, yesterday for uh, Irish Commander Knights, which is a new series that's over on YouTube that my friend Trent is making. Met them through the Irish Magic Discord. They have this really cool setup. It's multi-cameras and it's really well set up. It's really beautifully lit up and everything well edited. You should go check it out. I got to play my Slogurk deck for the first time and it was a blast. It is fast becoming one of my favorite decks because it played... An awful lot of the same cards that was in Tatiova, except instead of a dirty value engine, you have this like huge threat that just gets way out of control. And anytime yeah. anyone goes to kill it, you're like, well, I'm just going to bounce it in my hand and just life from below myself. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's just insane the value you get from it, while also just still being pretty aggressive, you know. I also got to play Lelia, the Blade Reforged, in another game yesterday, and she put up a super admirable showing. It's easily the most complex deck that I've ever played that's been mono-red. Like, there are a million different decision points and different types of interaction and stuff in it. I played one game with that deck and my brain was melted. So, (laughs) yeah. Yeah, maybe that's an indicator that I'm getting old as well. (laughs) Yeah, maybe. I don't like it. I don't like where this is going. It's just like, yeah, we're getting old. Things things that we were good at once, we're just not at anymore. And it's it's a harsh truth. 
is that how, is that how, is this how the old um John and control players end up being like such slow players? Maybe, maybe it's gonna be me in like ten years when I'm playing Tron mm. and I'm just like, what do these Urzalans do? I guess they make seven. Let's go. I guess I'm just gonna throw Khan and hope it resolves and just see, you know, just screw it sort of thing. You know, back in my day, it was red, green, Tron, blah blah blah, with fire yeah. spouts and pyroclasms. I am yet to see a Tron player like flicking some lands in their hand and being like thinking, thinking. <laughs> um, uh, which one do I play? Mm, they all say Urza. Mm. Yeah. Uh, outside of Magic, though, I am still playing Neo. I haven't gotten very far because I'm playing co-op with my hometown friend Luke, and he's quite busy at the moment, and we, we do it over Discord at, like, 11 o'clock at night for, like, two hours. So, while waiting to play that, I've been prepping some recipes for the winter season, so... Ooh, my favourite time of the year. Yeah, we're going from a Magic podcast to a video game podcast to a food podcast, so... Diversity, uh, mate. <laughs> I don't think this is the diversity people were talking about. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, so I've been making hot honey this week. Ooh. And I'll be making some raisin jam this coming week as well to try it out. I do I'm, pick- I'm trying all these different recipes. Like, I've got other ones that I did last year. Like, there's, like, t- spiced tomato chutney. There's, like, garlic oil. There's, like, all sorts of different things. And I basically pick... I'm making a load of them now to try them out. And I'm going to pick the best ones. And they're all going to go into a couple of food hampers for my family and Leanne's family for Christmas. So... Mm. The nice. great thing about this is everybody loves it because it's real nice food and it's all like homemade and there's a lot of effort and love put mm. into it. But I also get to try all of this great stuff beforehand. Yeah. So that's the, that's I, the best I essentially extend tasty Christmas food season by like two months by doing this. Yeah. Uh, on a side note, that's my plan, I think, next week or the week after. Because I, nice. I really like your idea of doing like hampers for people, mm-hmm. like people you care about. So I'm going to make some jams. I'm going to make some chutneys. Um, you know maybe some like cookies and stuff like that um, so yeah you get to bake these jams and you're just like yep I'm just going to have half a jar for myself this is the baker's tax <laughs> and you know it's delicious yeah. Um, but yeah I love this time of year because you just get to go really like pun intended you get to go really ham on everything you get to go over the top <laughs> and whatnot. so oh I need to make a ham soon <gasps> so this week is like a busy week for baking I know we're dragging out this intro yeah, but people, know, people will listen to it it's fine um, so yeah my, my week like coming up I've got like a quiche to make for someone um, because they've just moved house and mm-hmm. often I would bring something like baking or something uh, as like a, as a housewarming <laughs> gift sorry um, the way you said that it made it sound like you know they were moving house so obviously <laughs> I had to give them the traditional house moving quiche <laughs> well, well no this is a thing I normally do brownies right but they're on a bit of a diet yeah. so I was just like how about quiche and like yeah okay so housewarming quiche yeah. is now a thing starting okay. it's a great trend quiche is delicious I'm big on quiche yeah and then and then I've got to do some brownies and some cookies for my LGS who's moving into a bigger store soon and they want to do like a big opening kind of thing mm-hmm. so I said nice. I'd bake for them so yeah next week's i'm just basically a baker so that's fun sweet i'll i'll sure to share the uh, recipes in the show notes next week <laughs> <laughs> nice so before we jump on actually emma have we got any housekeeping uh we do so we'd like to give a warm welcome to patron user called coffee i don't think that's their real name but great name nonetheless um who is the latest member of the cheer and fanatic mm-hmm. tier on patreon so thanks a lot coffee enjoy the benefits hopefully you have a good time and remember, if you are or become a patron, you get access to the episodes a whole day early before release, along with the show notes, mm. guides, and other bits, such as our food recipes, which is going to be a common thing, yeah. I suspect. <laughs> if you enjoy the BM cast and would like to support them, 
you can become a patron for as little as $3. You'll get access to all of the notes and deck lists they use on the show, and their $7 tier gives you VIP access to the greatest budget resources of any magic podcast. So what are you waiting for? Visit patreon.com forward slash budget magic cast to level up your game and get your stonks on. All right then, Emma, before we go any further, it's your turn. Card of the week. What have you got for me? Uh, so it's a good one. It just rotated out of standard, and that card is Wilt. So Wilt yeah. is from Ecoriolera Behemoths. It is an instant for one generic and a green, and it reads, Destroy target artifact or enchantment, and it has cycling for two generic mana. It's excellent enchantment artifact removal in formats such as Modern, Pioneer, in Commander as well. And you can cash it in for card draw if there is no valid targets. And that is the biggest thing with these kind of cards. Normally they can be dead in a, in a, in a situation if there's nothing to hit. If, yeah. Especially if you like post-boarding game two in like Modern, for example. And um, this way you still get to trade it in for card draw. You know, it gives you something to do. It's also never dead in Commander, just for the just the ratio of enchantments and artifacts that you get in the format, just from playing in a pod. It's always going to hit something. Um, I don't think people play these sort of effects enough in Commander, especially in green. You should be running like three or four of them. And yeah, it's just a really good card, and it's like 25 cents at the moment, so just pick them up. Yeah. I'm a big fan of cards that do a, a very simple thing, but have cycling attached to it. There's like a counter spell yeah. that's very similar as a cancel with cycling as well. I think those mm. are just inherently good. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. I'm a big fan of them myself, as you know very well, with my extreme love of cycling. We don't really have a week's roundup this week, to be honest, because not a whole lot happened. Like, the Mythic Championship's on, there were deckless spoiled before the event, I guess. Yeah, they they were leaked, and then it's just everyone moaning about Orange's Epiphany. Yeah, that's pretty much it, like... Also, it's not over yet, so we record on a yeah. Sunday, and the top four of Worlds happens later this afternoon, I believe. Um, so yeah. we could talk about the top four, but I, I suspect it's old news when you listen to this on Wednesday or Thursday. Yeah, exactly. So, And it is standard, and we're not, like, we have, like, a, a loose interest in standard, um, mm-hmm. but not to the, it's not, we're not a standard podcast, so. If, if paper standard was much more of a thing right now Mm. then maybe a little bit more interest but like for arena it's just like it's not feasible yeah i have a deck i have a mono white deck which is just my if i want to play standard fnm because my lgs has started to fire up standard again if i just Mm. fancy playing i would just play like 40 dollar mono white just to you know play some magic but yeah like it's basically just savannah lines with different names like exactly who doesn't (laughs) love that like i love me a two one for one right unless it's favorite inspector that's different (laughs) All right, so moving on, we're going to actually finally get to the topic that we're talking about <laughs> this week. We took took a long route round to get here, but we're going to talk about the return of Pioneer. So Pioneer is starting to come back, which is, in my opinion, absolutely fantastic. It is great to hear. So between new cards from Midnight Hunt, like, like to consider and play with fire and all that sorts of stuff and also the new challenger decks coming up there are more people that are showing an interest in the format now than there have been in quite some time what we're going to do today is we're going to give you the current lowdown with the format like what's good what's viable how to enter the format because it feels an awful lot like modern did like five or six years ago you know it feels like fairly fair mid-range is good aggressive decks are good control decks are good it's all good if you are sick of ragavan and dragon race channeler this might just be the format for you just don't be expected to get rid of Luris that easily. That's all I'm going to say. Mm, yeah. <laughs> they're, they're still here. But first of all, we're going to go in at the ground level, right? We're going to talk about what Pioneer actually is. 
And I mean, like, this is, like, level one. This is the most basic. So if you've heard this before, feel free to skip ahead, like, maybe a minute or so. So it's basically, it's an eternal format. It was created in 2019 as a successor to modern. Not that the format was going anywhere, but it just took the mantle of, like, the format where you get to play your old standard decks. And it originally started with no ban list, except for the fetch lands from the Tarkir block. And as tournaments and results were coming through, they would ban accordingly. They had a, a weekly ban announcement. And this led to a super exciting time. I loved this. Mm. I super loved this. Real exciting time where every single week there were Very new best decks and there were things getting banned and people trying to break the format. Loads of people succeeded in doing so. One of the first things that was gone was the copycat combo. Felidar, Felidar Guardian was banned, as was Leyline of Abundance with the ability to abuse the likes of Lanawar Elves to make tons of mana and get Ulamog out in turn three and stuff. And after a slew of these bans, the format did start to settle down. It became pretty obvious that the best deck was Demir Inverter, which was like a control deck that had a sort of combo finish. It was very hard to pilot, so the people that were winning with it were winning all the time with it. And this sat as the best deck for far too long. People got tired of the format. The pandemic hit, removed all the paper play from the format. The format wanted to flourish, and in order for it to flourish, it needed paper magic at that time. So that was unfortunate. But once the ban had come down on Inverter a little bit later, it was too late for the initial crowd. Like everyone had lost the interest in the format. And then it sort of became a bit of a joke. And then earlier this year, they banned another slew of cards in the hopes to maybe shake the format up and to tice people back. They got rid of Wilderness Reclamation, Balistrad Spy, Undercity Informer. The two of those were for kind of Manalist Dredge, I guess it was called, yeah. yeah. Teferi Time Raveler, thank God. And then Uro Titan of Nature's Wrath for, you know, obvious reasons as well. They were definitely good calls, but the lack of paper play still kept it down. And now, events still fire on Magic Online, and with paper play returning and the release of the new Pioneer Challenger decks, now is the time for Pioneers to rise from the ashes and like take hold as one of the best formats in Magic. Because honestly, it really is. It is very, it's very so enjoyable. Good. Also, on a just to add on to the mm. end of that, we just come into it. We just had a standard rotation, right? Yes. So you've got a load of these standard cards that you just. You can't use anymore because they've just rotated out. Mm-hmm. This is a really great time just to go, just to look at the Pioneer Meta game on Goldfish and just see what you have and just build from it. You extend those purchases. Mm. You can still use those Bone Crusher Giants. You can still use all the, you know, the stuff from Ferros. Like it's, it's a really good way just to, you know, bridge that gap between, you know, standard and modern. Like if you want to get to modern eventually, Pioneer is a really good place to start. And I'm, I'm gonna sing the laurels of Pioneer because I think mm-hmm. the format's great. I love the idea of it. The idea that there's no Fetchlands is just so, yeah. so great. Because yeah. <laughs> Fetchlands suck, let's be honest. Yeah. They're terrible, but we have to play them in modern. Yeah. Well, you know what, Emma? You wanna, you wanna sing the praises of Pioneer? You can go right ahead Damn right and, I do. and tell us in this wonderful segue into the next section. <laughs> Tell us, why is Pioneer so good? Well, firstly, it's much cheaper than Modern. The average price for a top-tier deck is currently like $350 for, in terms of Pioneer, mm-hmm. compared to Standard, which is close to 300 at the moment, and then you've got Modern, which is close to like $1,100. Yeah. Um, and this is based on the top 10 decks in those formats uh, through Goldfish. Mm-hmm. And prices might be a little bit higher, but there's you can tell there's a huge discrepancy. Yeah. You can also play the Busters cards that were once banned in Modern. So you've got stuff like Dig Through Time, Treasure Cruise, Deathrite Shaman. Although Deathrite Shaman's not as good because you don't have Fetchlands, the card's still fine. You've got stuff like Tibbles Trickery and Mystic Sanctuary. All decks are viable as well. Like There's so much creativity in the format. And another thing that what makes Pioneer so good is that like, because we had the introduction of Historic, which mm. kind of overlapped what Pioneer was trying to do. Yeah. 
But now historic is becoming a lot like modern because we're getting those cards from modern into historic. The two seem very, very Absolutely. similar. With this, it makes Pioneer, um, gives it its own identity, right? It can pull away from those two and become its own thing. So you see these different kinds of decks. Mm -hmm. yep. And so all archetypes are viable. It's, it's really, really fun. It's really cheap. You've got these challenger decks coming out, which is a great segue into the format. They're really well designed. Yeah. Um, and yet, like... The, the issue is it's just the tabletop sort of paper play bit. It's trying to mm. like encourage it at your LGS. But I think it can get there eventually with yeah. stuff like this. So I'm really, really optimistic. And what about you? Do you have any any uh, thoughts I, on why it's so good? I mean, you've kind of hit the nail on the head with everything there. Uh, the only other thing that I would add as a, as a positive for the format is that Isa Phoenix is a very good deck in this format. So I'm not surprised to hear this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so when it comes to the kind of decks that are in the format and the way you said all deck archetypes are viable all decks are viable you're not lying like i'm just going to list out a couple of things here okay so under control mm -hmm. we have blue white control which is more you know traditional you got five color niv to light which is just you know play huge ridiculous things play niv to get a lot of value play bring to light to get whatever you want demir control plays a lot like the inverter list but without inverter you have Jeskai Control, which plays an awful lot like Jeskai Control used to do in Modern, except it runs a little bit more on Shark Typhoons and that kind of thing. Grixis Control is more like Croxes, and it runs Lurus and that sort of thing, maybe a couple of Arcanists to flashback your spells. And then you got like Blue-Red Dragons, which is dragons, like, like Goldspan Dragon. Like Niv the standard one. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, like the standard variant. And then in mid-range, you have like Rakdos Pyromancer decks, like the historic ones. You've got Jun Sacrifice, like the historic deck. Uh, you have White Black Zombies, which runs almost like a, an Aristocrats thing because it's got Rally and everything in it. Yeah, and that's really fun. you've got Four Color Ramp with the Omnath and everything that was in standard, and you can play that here. Monogreen Devotion has moved away from like Planeswalkers, and now it's just like sort of super big stompy with some Planeswalkers. And then aggro, you've got Boros Burn, you've got Mono Black Vampires, you've Gruel Stompy with Embercleave, obviously. Uh, you've got Mono Green Stompy, you've Mono Red Aggro, you've got one of your favourites, Orz of Auras. And then yeah. you have the one that was popular for a good while near the start of the format, which is Mono Black Aggro. There's a lot of recursive threats. Then in tempo, you have like Is It Phoenix, you have Spirits, you have Blue White and Soul, which upgraded from i love i love the insult decks they're, they're so, so fun good. on a side note <laughs> they're really good is it delver is now a deck in pioneer of course because delver's in midnight hunt exactly yeah. because delver's there now so we have a blue red tempo list in combo we have an omnath jeskai ascendancy list that just mm. you have to see it in play it's kind of like a mid-range deck that then just goes wow i'm gonna combo like crazy and win uh, yeah. You have the Lotus Field combo, which had Underworld Breach banned from it, but it's still a good and top deck. And then you've got like a sort of more aggro combo, which is Naya Winota. These are all yeah. super viable. Also, you have Possibility Storm as well. You do. That's you a do. fun combo deck. That's yeah. a really that's that's a really good example of when we talk about pioneer and like mm. sort of unique creative deck building. Someone just went, yeah, I'm going to take this commander card and make it a, a yeah. pioneer archetype. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> like. What's not to love? And now every single deck that I've listed there, I know this doesn't mean much to some people, but every single one of these decks has not only 5-0'd in a league over the last couple of weeks, but has consistently done so for months, unless the deck is younger than that, in which case it's just been consistently 5 0 since its inception. For example, the likes of Blue Red Tempo. Yeah. So they're all super viable. The format is wide open. It is as diverse, if not potentially more so, than modern because you don't have these clusters of like okay we have Lurus decks we have Ragavan decks we have you know Cascade decks we have the, like 
they're not separated out as easily. There so. is no, I think the one thing I love about Pioneer, there is no, like, Pioneer deck goes, goes, I need to put, like, for example, so for example, in Modern, you're like, yeah, I have a Lurus and four Mistress Bauble. This is how I'm building my Modern deck. Yeah. You don't have that in Pioneer. You have that freedom. You're not, you're not shafted into a, into a line because it's the most powerful thing to do. Mm. I just wish more people would, like, just acknowledge that. It's just seem as a bad thing, but it's really not. Yeah, absolutely. And then... Moving on from the decks that are good, you will notice that a couple of these challenger decks are coming out now, and some of them are going to show some very similar sort of signs to some of the top decks that we were just talking about. For example, Azoria Spirits is one of the challenger decks. That's a favorite of yours, Emma. There's some notable value cards in all of these, by the way. For example, in this one, you've got a Brazen Borrower, you've got two Spell Queller and a Selfless Spirit. And in the Lotus Combo deck, which is the Lotus Field combo. You have the four Lotus Field. In the sideboard, you have an Omniscience. In Mono Red, you have four Soulscar Mage, Chandra Torch of Defiance. And in the Orzavors, you've got four Concealed Courtyard. You've got a Thought Season. You even have a Lurus as a companion. These Challenger decks, we mentioned them before, and they're really, really good. They're very solid. Yeah, so looking, because they're, they're not out until the 15th of October, mm-hmm. so it's like another week and a bit until they're released. They are retailing for about 40-ish pounds, 45 mm-hmm. pounds at the moment. I don't know how much that's going to be at your LGS. That so just gives you a good baseline to work with yeah. just to see the kind of value you get in these decks. But if you're just looking to play Pioneer, if you even if you're looking to play Modern, these are a really good starting point. Absolutely. Like, it's spending £40 and it's just giving you just so many reps. And you get to play two formats with one deck. So 100%. And I was talking about this before the recording here with yourself, Emma. The way that these are set up, for getting into the format, this doesn't feel so much that it's aimed at new players as it's aimed at modern players getting into the format. Because one of the main things that these are missing from the actual top-level lists are kind of like the likes of Shocklands. And like the, the more expensive eternal cards, like for example, the upgrades for Azoria Spirits, you got like some Spell Quellers, some Skyclave Apparitions, maybe Collected Company. Like they're all cards that you would see in Modern Spirits. And you can just port them directly into this pre con essentially and have a top level list, which is insane. Yeah, um, I would go as further to say, yes, this is for modern players, but I would say it's for enfranchised standard players as well yes. that are just thinking, oh man, I might have, I've got four Skyclave apparitions, you know what, I'm going to put it in the spirit, I'm going to pick up the spirits deck and learn to play spirits and pioneer. It's 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 not looking at the pioneer fan base, mm. it's looking at everything around it, which is a really good way to do it because it means more people get into the format and it can hopefully grow into something, you know, like popular like as as we were talking before the cast you know when modern first came a thing in 2011 like the format wasn't popular for a couple of years right um it took ages to get get it off the ground and with you know pioneers going through the same thing so as long as they keep pumping out this product you know we should get there eventually yep absolutely so yeah like we said when it comes to the upgrades for these ones we to be honest we were actually going to do a whole episode on this and then realize that there's really not a whole lot that we could actually do about this because mm. the decks are pretty solid i was looking at the lotus field combo one and the main difference is that you might need to add a couple of pathways and some balaged recoveries maybe a niv mizzet in the sideboard but the sideboard like i said it has an omniscience and in a lot of lists that's not even there anymore so you can actually buy this deck sell the omniscience buy a couple of other random things and then your deck is just built like tier one ready to go like that's insane and you can goldfish with it a bunch as well because it's a combo deck yes absolutely 
you can play it on your own. Same goes for Mono Red. Like for every challenger deck that's happened, so these are the first of the pioneer challenger decks mm. before we've had standard ones. And there's always been a Mono Red deck because what's he like the idea of having a mono coloured aggressive deck in the format because yeah. it's affordable, it's cheap, and it's powerful. So with Mono Red, if you're looking to pick that up, the best route to go down is just to pick up like four Idol and the Great Rebels. Pick up a couple of Den of the Bugbears, which mm-hmm. is from Forgotten Realms, which is one of the best Red Madlands we've seen in a while. And then you're pretty much good to go. If you want to go further, a lot of the burn decks in Pioneer tend to splash white for Boris Charm, um, because it's, yeah. again, one of the best burn spells in the format. So if you want to add four Boris Charms, you might want to look at like four Inspiring Vantages. You may want to add some you know, Sacred Foundries, or maybe even some of the Pathways. Like Pathways yeah. are a really good like middle ground if you don't want to splash out with Shocks, because the Shocks are starting to go up in value again. But... If you are looking to play Pioneer and you're absolutely brand new to it, you have no you have no existing cards, you have no no knowledge of the format, Mono Red is probably the best way to go because it just teaches you combat maths, it mm. teaches you life total resources, it's just very quick and very simple, uh, it's not too complicated. Yeah, it has been good since the start of Pioneer, yeah. even through all those crazy combo decks. It has been good, it, people have splashed white, people have left the white off. People have done it in all sorts of different versions. They've added Luris in the white versions. They've not added Luris in the white versions. There's just so many different ways that you can build red and it still be phenomenal in the format. Mm. And it's still true now. And it doesn't show any signs of like giving up because it still kills on like turn four if left alone. Like, So yeah. it has the tools to deal with everything in the format. Moving on from that though, Orzhov Auras, this deck is actually pretty freaking solid. So apart from the Shocklands, more Thoughtseize is in the sideboard. And that's basically the deck finished. Yeah. You maybe want some like graveyard interaction, yeah. depending on your meta. So like some soul guide lanterns perhaps. But mm. yeah, just a set of four seasons on the sideboard and you're pretty much good to go. Because yeah. you've got the concealed courtyard, which are the the best land in the deck. Uh, you already have four of those in the in the actual challenger deck. Yeah. So yeah, just get some goddess shrines or some of the, the white black pathways. The name has seemed to escape me because they all sound the same. Right. Um, and you're good to go. <laughs> yeah. And that's what's so fantastic about these. I actually think these are the best challenger decks that they've ever released. I know these are going to be more expensive than the standard ones because it's Pioneer and that kind of thing. But they seem well worth it because like this deck, you could just have this deck for years. Yeah, especially with something low maintenance as Mono Red. Yeah. Like you can just not like do anything to it in like a year and still probably crush people because the cards are just good. And on a side note, with the challenger decks for Pioneer, I really want to see modern ones. Yeah. They did one ages ago, and it was really, really good because it had like Lingering Souls, it had Godless Shrines, it had Elspeth in it. It was really good. It was expensive, obviously, because it was modern, Mm -hmm. but I would just love to see them do, like, they've done Standard, they've done Pioneer. I really want to see some modern challenger decks for, like, say, 50 to 60 pounds ish. And then, mm. you know, that gives you a gateway into the format. Like, that's what I want to see next. You know what I want to see? I want to see the same thing, except it's like £100, and they put like six fetches in them. It's called a secret lair, mate. Yeah, I know, but like, I can I can wish, <laughs> right? I can wish. <laughs> Honestly, I thought you were like, you know what I want to see? And is it Phoenix Challenger deck? You know what? I do. And I'm actually surprised. I was going to attack this on the end. I am surprised. Well, I was originally thinking that I was surprised that there's no is a Phoenix list for the Challenger decks, because... Unlike Lotus Combo, it's fairly easy to pick up and get used to and start playing with and it feels rewarding to play with and it's, you know, it's good and it's cheap enough to put together and it'd be cheap enough Mm -hmm. to upgrade. But the more I thought about it, the more I realized that if that isn't here, maybe they're going to do another set of these at some point in the future and they're saving as a Phoenix for then because they know it's going to be around. Maybe. Hmm. 
Interesting. Who knows? But yes, that is it for Pioneer. If you haven't played it before, I would highly, highly recommend to just go and check out a couple of budget lists. Head on over to MTG Goldfish, look at their budget section, or just pick up whatever you like. Try and play it on Magic Online. Maybe proxy up a couple of decks with a couple of friends. Just try it out. Give the format a go. If you liked Modern the way it used to be, like five or six years ago or whatever, this is the closest that you can get to it. It is yeah. fun. It is powerful. It is interactive. You don't have to spend a bomb on fetch lands. It is just all around good. Also, the games are way faster because no one's sitting there shuffling because of fetches again. Yeah. So, yes, give it a go. You'll feel real good when you try it as a phoenix. I'm just saying, try it as a phoenix and cast a treasure cruise. Oh, beautiful beautiful or, or dig through time or in, dig through in, time in with another dig. or dig yeah. through time if if you just want to play that angle go for it beautiful but no it's only going to get better as well because we're going to see more cars come into pioneer mm-hmm. because you know we've got stuff like crimson Val coming we've got kamigawa new capenna so these cars will have more of an impact in pioneer yes. than they will in modern as well um which is something to consider if you play standard absolutely yeah so that's pioneer emma moving on now to the end of the show have we got any q a we do have a handful of questions this week. So mm. we have one from our latest patron, Coffee, from the BMCast Discord. Nice. Um, they ask, what was the first deck you played in Magic? Mm. So technically, the first deck I ever played in Magic was like a white life gainy sort of kitchen table, like 34 card deck or something that my friend <laughs> gave me. Right. Uh, that had like an elastic band tied around it back in like 2015. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, back in like yeah, I think it was like 2014, 2015, something like that. M15 had just come out. I think he was saying so. That's technically the first deck. Um, but first deck I actually like played played properly was a twenty five dollar is it counterburn list from Amonkhet Standard, and it had Enigma Drakes, it had Cryptic Serpents, it had Sensor, it had Hieroglyphic nice. Illumination. Oh, it was it was beautiful. It was a it was a thing of beauty. I wish I could find the list again because I would 100% build that deck again. It was so good. So I have two answers. So the first deck I ever played when I was like a super casual player coming. So I came into Magic, the tail end of Magic 2015 mm. and Kazutake was my first full set. So I remember looking at like Return to Rav, Gatecrash sort of era. And I was just like, I'm just going to build like a Borosi aggro deck with stuff like, you know, Figure of Destinies, Boris Reckoners, you know, it was essentially modern, mm. but it was just, it was very kitchen table, but it was modern legal. And then I kind of shifted it into the blasphemous at Boris Reckoner sort of thing, because, you know, it sounded fun at mm. the time. But in terms of like playing in standard, my first sort of standard deck was um, Blue White Heroic in, you know, that sort of mm. standard, where you play stuff like Battlewise Hoplite, you had all like the um, the Strive cards, and it was very similar to like Ors of Auras sort of thing, where you just pump up and you get extra bonuses and stuff, which is unsurprising why I play stuff like Bogles and, you know, Ors of Auras, because that's where it all started. So mine would be White, Blue, Heroic and Standard, which was pretty fun at the time. Nice. Um, and then we've got a, like a Vorhosi flavorful question from All Hail Boatless on Twitter. Okay. Uh, and they ask, was Lily's contract a sweet deal? Eternal youth versus your soul sounds pretty spicy depending on what your soul is and what it does. So would you do it? Um, Because when we were talking about how old we were at the start of the show from playing like video games yeah. and stuff, it seems pretty on, seems pretty on point. Yeah, um, <laughs> I, I would say no, because I actually, like, I'm not huge on lore and I know that she made a pact and I know there was four demons and like, I know the whole word of spark thing and that's how it ended. But... Hmm. 
from everything I saw, it just seems like everything was a hassle from that point onwards. And mm. like she, from what it looks like, she made a pact to secure her power and her youth and stuff, right? With these four mm-hmm. demons, and then she just had to spend all of that to get out of that again, which seems like it was kind of a waste of time and lives when it comes to the likes of War of the Spark and everyone getting wrecked and like Gideon dying for her and stuff. Like, I feel like that was a uh, was kind of a big old waste. Mm. You know. What about you? What do you think? Um, I don't think I would, no. Like, it's it's kind of that Scott Pilgrim versus the world thing where you just go around and you're like, oh no, you know, Ormondal's just around the corner, it's just going to punch you in the face. And it's just like, I don't really want that inconvenience in my life. <laughs> I just want to, I'd just rather be old, I think. It'd be much, it's, it seems less hassle, and I'm mm. very hassle free. They also have a second question in okay. regards to all of this. Um, they also say, also, please rate all four of the demons based on what looks the most adorable, badass, or whatever you rank it. I don't really remember two of them off the top of my head. Okay, um, so I actually... So you got Ormondal <laughs> so from Innistrad? No. Is, is, is Ormondal not one of them? No. Okay, <laughs> I, I am terribly wrong. I, I, didn't, I didn't know. I, I knew three. I knew three of them. I, I, know knew, what, I know there was one from Magic Origins, but I can't pronounce it. So, it okay. Yeah, so... That was the one I didn't know because I wasn't around then. That's Kotafed. Um, yeah, there was that's the one. there was Grizzlebrand, obviously. Um, Razaket mm. from Amiket. I only know that because I yes. was massive into Amiket. And then Bells and Lock from Dominaria because ah, that yes. was the last one that she had to go and get rid of. So I'm gonna rank them based on cuteness. Okay. Okay. I'm going with cuteness. I'm going with cute because, like, I mean, like this is this is a ridiculous, arbitrary question. So I'm going to give a, a ridiculous, arbitrary answer. It's going to be on cuteness. Of course. So I hate to say it, but like, I know people love Grizzly B, but like, he's a hideous he's not, boy. He's not. He's not very good looking, is he? No, and like, you don't want to get pets off those big spiky stumps of his. Like, not happening. I get a very. Um, did you ever play after, Diablo too? I didn't. I didn't. I actually. He Somehow looks a lot like Diablo that. from Diablo 2 and he has like the massive stone coming out of his head. As a side note. Okay. A bit nerdy because it's... But carry on. <laughs> okay. After that, I think I think I would have to go with... I think I would have to go with Razaket because I don't think they would be particularly... Like, they, they seem grumpy. They seem pretty grumpy. All <laughs> art I've seen of them, they don't look like they're having a happy time. And it no. doesn't look like much that I could say or do would make them feel any better. So... <laughs> It looks like they're just they're just decided that they're going to stay grumpy, and grumpy yeah. is only cute while you're kind of just putting it on a little bit. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Sorry, you're you're third, Raz. After that, I think Bells and Lock. The way the way in Bells and Lock's art, it's sort of like, oh, you want to come here and pet me? You want to come and have fun with me? I like mm. that's that's a bit of confidence there, and you know, confidence can be cute too. So like, I'll give him some points for that. But you, you, he's number two. <laughs> I don't know much about Kotafed. They could be a mass murderer, probably, because they're a demon, you know, or whatever. But based on the single piece of art that I see on the MTG Wiki here, they look like they would be most fun and, and like, happy-go-lucky and stuff. And that's pretty cute, too. So, like... Also, fun fact, mm-hmm. um, on the demonic tutor art with Liliana, Kotafed is in the art. Okay. He's the one that does a pack, too. Here's a fun little, little thing for you there. Okay. Well, there you go. That's my listing anyway, uh, based on cuteness. Um, I don't know what I don't know what I'm gonna rank mine on because I was gonna do cuteness as well, and <laughs> it'd be it'd be it'd be you know pretty rough to, uh, to, to copy that. So we'll go on badassery because that was the other option. Sure. So we'll go from bottom to top. 
Um, I don't think Copperped looks that badass. He looks a bit slumpy and a bit like, eh, whatever sort of thing. And then I'm probably going to go Belzenok. Because they just seem like they're trying too hard. It's like, you, like well, you said like you want a piece of me sort of thing. It's like, a, you know, they're trying to show off a bit too much. And then I'll probably go Razakev because Razakev's got that, that look. He's looking a bit serious, looking a bit mean. Okay. And then I'm probably just going to go with Gristlebrand because arm scissors, things, claws. That's just pretty like... And he's been like napping in the hell of vault for ages. Like he's yeah. probably a bit groggy, probably a bit just ready just to like stretch his legs and whatnot. He does look like he wants to start a fight with literally everything that has ever existed. So yes, yeah. it's got that. It's just got that cool guys don't look at explosions sort of walk as well. Yeah, kinda. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, you see yeah. what I mean? That was a fun question. Hmm. Um, so we have a question from Evie the Mage uh, from Twitter, and they yes, ask, "What's some of the decks in standard that you're interested in at the moment?" Is there anything that really catches your eye or seems cheap that you were too, or are you two just still like out of standard? So I've sort of answered this question earlier. So I'm playing Mono White because it's cheap and it's easy to play mm-hmm. and it just means I can tap in and out of standard when I want to. So how about you? So I basically have not looked at standard at all for a long time, but I do very regularly, and I say very regularly, every single week I listen to Arena Decklists because I think Jerry Thompson and Brian Gottlieb are two of the best people in Magic, full stop. Just real, real good dudes. Um, so I'll just listen to them talk about whatever, and they happen to talk about Standard quite a lot now. And I know that the Alruns Epiphany thing is causing problems and everything, so nothing else seems particularly enticing at the moment. However... I was looking, I, I like while you were reading out the question there, I actually opened up the MTG Goldfish page because I didn't want to just say, oh, I'm not really into Sander and then not give an answer. <laughs> but uh, I can see that there are things like Mono Black Zombies and Is It Delver. And I did actually see a Leer, a Demir Leer control deck that looked real cool. Yeah, that looks, that looks sweet. Yeah. It's in that. I think if I had to make something in Arena, I'd probably build the Leer control deck and just accept the fact that I'm probably a loss to, I don't know, Mono Green Aggro or whatever it is. That's not, yeah. not good. Again, Escape's Chariot. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I'd probably go with that. Cool. So the last question is from listener Alters. Um, I guess this one's aimed at me because yeah. I don't. Have you not watched Great British Bake Off? No, not really. Okay, so I'll answer this question. Um, they ask, who's the greatest Great British Bake Off contestant of all time, and why is it Gazeppi? Um, so Gazeppi's very good. So Gazeppi's on the current Great British Bake Off. Mm-hmm. Um, he's probably one of the best bakers on the show. But I'm quite fond of a guy called Jürgen, so it's this German guy. But he's very, very sort of genuine and honest and just very endearing. Mm-hmm. So, for example, on the first week of Bake Off, um, he was making some Swiss rolls. He had the sponge all ready to go to put it in the oven. And the only thing he said when he put it into the oven was, oh, good luck in there, like talking <laughs> to the sponge, like, you know, good luck. And it's very, very endearing and it's very sweet. And I think he's going to win it because I'm biased. So that's my answer. Okay, okay. <laughs> And also, I do feel like it's important for me to address one thing, and that is that I don't watch The Great British Bake Off, because I'm certain that some people have just listened to this and gone, what? Oh my god, I can't believe you. That's yeah. a t- 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 I don't know why I went all um, lumpy space princess there, but anyway. Um, so, first of all, whenever I, whenever I, like, my entertainment is almost always, like, you know, fantasy or crazy mad wild stuff. And the reason for that is because I live in reality, I don't want my escapism to also be based on that. That's fair. Yeah. I just prefer like weird wacky things. That's all. 
That's fair. Each of their own. Um, it's the, this is the only sort of talent competition, quote unquote, that I watch because I'm into baking. So yeah. I kind of get to relate to the contestants that have an existential dread over like a piece of bread that's not proving or, you know, staring at the oven and wondering why their bake didn't come out. You know, yeah. it's, it's kind of a weird comfort at the same time. Would you say you need it in your life? I do need it in my life and I appreciate that pun. <laughs> Thank you for listening to us here at the BMCast and a special thanks to our patrons. At the Cheering Fanatic tier we have Alejandro, Kilgore Trout 503, Max Makes Magic, The Jess Guy, The Joe Cheney, Nicholas Martin, Bradley Rose, Ian Holland, Christopher McCarthy, Tom Telford, Anton Clement, Coffee, Edward Whitney, Evil Vanilla Glaze and Matthew O'Neill. And at the Stonks tier we have Anga Orr, Scott Creech, Simon Grip, Brian Madden, a Nice Planeswalker, Nerblin, Everett Broken, Alex Gibson, Bo Schwartz-Madsen, Mickey Paris, and Mark Davis. Thank you all for helping to keep this podcast on the air. We can't thank you enough. If you want to support us and add your name to this list of lovely and wonderful people, head on over to patreon.com forward slash the BMcast. If you have any questions, comments, or sweet brews, you can email us at budgetmagicast at gmail.com or message us on Twitter at the BMcast. We'll be back next week to give you even more bang for your buck.